When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A couple of armchair GMs who have yet to be wrong with any of their Timberwolves takes. <laughs> right. It's Flagrant Howls with Phil Mackey and Kyle Tyke. Welcome in to your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle and roller coaster riding podcast <laughs> where we used to want the Wolves to win 50 games. That was our season motto. We have no idea what we even want or expect anymore. Uh, but we're going to dive into some of that today. I feel like every other game, they're kind of showing you what they could be, but what you don't want them to be. Last night was more on the what they could be side, beating the Pacers. Although in the middle of the game, it was also the, oh my God, why are you giving up 44 points in a quarter side of them? So um, let's just start. Last night, Rudy Gobert had sort of his Rudy Gobert breakout game. We're at yep. the end. And these are the same fans that he criticized for booing and and not supporting the team, and those same fans chanted, Rudy, Rudy, <laughs> as he swatted that ball off the backboard to basically cinch, and hit a couple free throws to cinch a Timberwolves win, Kyle. Yeah, last night did, do I mean, you remember early in the season, Rudy Gobert had that random, like, not like that, like floating, a step inside the three-point line, like floating buzzer beater. It was kind yes. of his first big moment or whatever, and the crowd kind of went crazy. Um, but last night, seemed like you know with no carl his first real like welcome to minnesota game um he was fantastic 16 points 21 rebounds three steals two blocks uh and as you said he had that kind of game clinching block on one end and then he also was tied at 115 with like 32 seconds left and he steps to the line and he hits both free throws yes and that's like a under discussed talking point this season is that he's shooting a career high 71.7 percent i think from the free throw line um and that's not nothing because if this evolves into a you know a deep playoff run or a playoff run in general um it's always been talks about can you keep him on the floor and that's a variety of things defensively offensively but having a guy that you can trust that's the second time now he's iced a game his free throws won the game so a big game for him um i think he he he's (laughs) The more quotes we get from him, he's a unique character. Um, he but he definitely was disappointed and showed some leadership stuff that you and I love after he got ejected from that OKC game after nine minutes. I think he was like, I I messed up there. Um, and he came out last night and he was a big, big, big factor. He was the only center on the team other than, you know, Nas Reed you could trust. And I'm sure we'll get into uh, oh, the man. other center that played. But um, yeah, he was great <laughs> last night. The Rudy chants were awesome. Um, and it sets up for you know, a huge go bear game. Plus, I don't know if you saw this, but the jazz had like a crazy comeback against the warriors at the buzzer. Yeah. Um, it sets up for a really, really fun game on Friday where Rudy returns to Utah to play against the jazz, Malik Beasley, Vando, all those guys. So big night for Rudy, big win back to 12 and 12. Um, and the, the vibes again, roller coaster ride, but yeah, the vibes are good. Yeah. You had, you know, again, last night was just kind of an example of what this team can look like. And it's, it's notable that this is the third game without Carl Anthony Towns. Yep. I'm not drawing any grand conclusions. I have theories, but they have looked very, very good in two of the three games since Cat 
was put off to the side. And in the in the other game against Oklahoma City, Gobert was ejected, you know, what, nine nine minutes or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And uh and they basically played with Nas Reed as the only semi big man the entire rest of the game. So uh I'm not throwing that game out because there were still some bad things, regardless of whether Gobert was on the court or not. But in the two games where Gobert could kind of just do Gobert things and Anthony Edwards could very clearly be the guy leading at the top of the packing order. It's what I want to see in the next 30 to 60 days, however long Carl Anthony Towns is out. I want to see a team that kind of figures out how to win two out of every three games or you know whatever they can do, and then find a way to plug Cat in as a complementary player that can, oh, I don't know, score 20 or 25 points and, and shoot threes at a 40% clip. I think this is a, and this is not meant to dump on Cat, but I think long-term it would be great. It, it No longer is he going to be the best alpha player on a team that aspires to win a championship. I think that ship has sailed. What you have to avoid here is the ship sailing on him altogether. If you can find a way for the dynamic to change in the next 30 to 45 days, and it sort of centers around Ant and Gobert gets more comfortable, and then plug Cat in as a complimentary second or third guy. Maybe that's a pipe dream and a pie-in-the-sky thing, but I would love to see that before the end of the season. How feasible is it? I think it's, I think, well, I mean, I think it's pretty feasible, and again, it it's why we coined the term, you know, blessing in disguise. You never want to see anyone get injured, obviously, and Carl's a big part of what they do, but first half of that Wizards game was, I thought, the low point of the season. It was just, we're getting spanked by a team that's not that good. Um, and then, obviously, Carl goes down. And since then, like you said, we're just going to keep saying s- small sample size all year as this team rides different roller coasters and different yeah. thrill rides. But, you know, they're in a, they're a Rudy ejection away from being 3-0 and <laughs> since Carl went down. Um, so there is some Ewing theory there. And last night against the Pacers, who, the who by the way, if you're not familiar, the Pacers are really good. They're not just good. And, and Halliburton good. played. He wasn't 100%, but he played 36 yep. and, minutes. You know, Turner was great again. They have a lot of young guys. That's going to be a good team for a long time. But uh, last night was pretty much what it looks like if you move off of Carl next summer or whenever. Like that's, you know, Rudy Gobert anchoring the defense, you know, you know, putting up 20 and 20, basically protecting the rim. And then just kind of four guards or, you know, four playmakers around him that can space the floor. Um, but on the space the floor thing, and this is where we'll watch over the next 30 to 60 days is since Carl went out in that wizard, that wizards game, I think the wolves are 26th in the league in three point attempts and like 25th in three point percentage. I've loved what I've seen this last week. You're not going to win a bunch of games by being bottom five in those categories. Like there's obviously lots of other things to look at, but this team without Carl, if you're going to play Rudy 30, some minutes a game and you're going to play Kyle Anderson, you like all of a sudden have no shooting <laughs> or like not enough as you're used to, right? Like, yeah, Jaden, yeah, Ant, yeah, D'Lo, but um, they're just not getting a ton from three. And last night they, you know, they out-rebounded the Pacers really, really well. So that was good, but long-term you're going to have to find more shooting. So if this does evolve down the road into a Rudy-centric team that has Ant and Jaden and all the other guys, you need to replace Carl with shooting because that's a big, big thing right now that they don't have. And uh, they snuck out a win last night, but you're not going to be able to beat the top teams in the West if you can't shoot. What's kind of funny, though, is in the last three games, two of the guys that you would expect and who have been taking a lot of threes have actually kind of scaled back. Like like Jalen Noel, took, he took, well, I guess Jalen Noel took 10 threes in Cat's first game out. 
Uh, yeah. That was kind of a breakout against Memphis. He's like, oh, my God, this is great. We need we need offense. Somebody put up the bat signal. Somebody <laughs> needs to take some threes. And Jalen Noel's like, I'll take all of them, actually. Uh, but Ant, like, Ant has, I think, noticeably in the last handful of games tried to get to the rim more often, get to the free throw line more often. You know, he has had only 15 total three-point attempts in the three games since Cat was gone. If you look at, like, the the two weeks before that, he had games in which he shot 13, 12, 10, 10. So some of this is, you know, Anthony Edwards isn't Steph Curry, but he, he's, a, he's a league average to slightly above league average yep. three-point shooter overall. There are nights where he can't miss from three. So I, I do think you can find some three-point shooting in Cat's absence, but you're right. It's not going to be the same as having, I don't know, literally one of the best three-point shooters in the league standing out there. Um, on the Ant front, interesting quote from D'Angelo Russell after the game last night. D'Lo, who, by the way, I can't believe you've been doubting him all this time. <laughs> I was I waiting for that. faithful and loyal as a D'Lo supporter, okay? Never wavered once. <laughs> Deserves a lot of credit for what he did last night. I think he scored 14 in the fourth quarter alone. Hit a was, couple big he threes. Was fantastic. Just put the team on his back for a stretch there. And but after the game, his to me the telling quote from him was more about Anthony Edwards, who was largely magnificent last night. Uh, he's had six steals in back-to-back games now. By the way, yeah, that's and, insane. And you know, criticism would be that steals aren't the be-all, end-all. But if you rewatch those steals, yes. it's not just like you know fair catching a punt. He is in the right spot, like. I mean, he, he just stripped a guy last night, a couple straight possessions that like led to transition points for, I think, Jalen and then Nas. So, yeah, that's dude getting that many steals shows that you're very much engaged. And that's you're what we very said last handsy. Week. Yeah. 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 Very handsy. So like without Carl, who's going to step up, who's going to kind of be the energy, who's going to kind of dictate their will. And it's been ant for three straight games. And after the game, D'Lo said this is from the Star Tribune. I think everyone had it, but I'm getting this from Chris Hine. Uh, he's learning how to be a pro. On and off the floor, you can see the development, him focusing on his craft and consistency with his routine. Ant came through and he led. We followed. And that's a really interesting thing for an eighth-year veteran on a $30-plus million contract who was traded for four years ago to be a centerpiece and a leader of the next generation of Timberwolves basketball. And he's also still capable of putting a team on his back in the fourth quarter once in a while, like he did last night. And he is conceding to the media, and I don't think he's just placating here. He is conceding Anthony Edwards is the leader of this team. At least he was tonight. He led and we followed. And on one hand, I think there's been a lot of talk, and there, there's been some articles written the last couple of weeks as Chris, Chris Finch has been very public saying, yeah, we don't really have – a great leadership dynamic here. We yep. need someone to step up and set a set a culture. And you know, uh, Austin Rivers raised his hand and said, "Okay, I'm going to lead." <laughs> and before the season, Carl Anthony Towns said, "I'm I'm going to try leading again." And then Anthony Edwards was asked about it a couple days ago, and he said, "It's time for me to lead." And I'm like, I'm getting kind of sick of people raising their hand and saying, "Like I'm Spartacus. I I am the leader of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Just go lead." Yep. It do, it doesn't. You don't announce it. You don't. There's not like a vote. You don't. I saw someone tweeted at me the other day. Wasn't why doesn't the coach just assign a leader? You don't assign leadership in professional sports. You just you lead. It, it's an organic thing that happens. You either have it or you don't. 
And you know, I, we've talked enough about how D'Lo and Cat, it's not they're not comfortable franchise leading personalities. But Anthony Edwards might be. And if guys like D'Lo, after a magnificent stretch of games from Ant, are saying things like this, I think it's it's something to keep an eye on here. Like in the middle of the season, this thing sort of becoming Ant to lead, if you will. You had me thinking of uh, from The Office when Michael Scott just declares <laughs> bankruptcy. When he's like, I declare bankruptcy. It's like, you can't just be like, I'm the leader now. Like, no, you got to yeah. do it. Um, but I'm with you. Everything you said is is spot on. And it goes back to my point of like, we're doing this twice a week. We're, we're looking at box scores. We're looking at, you know, trends that week or that that month. Um, but in the bigger picture, like we're going to look back at this season, all 82 games as some sort of chapter down the road. And maybe we're just in the middle of like the ant growth stage, right? Like you can argue any way you want, but at the end of the day, I'm pretty sure Carlton Towns was just the team's most talented player a week ago. And then when he drops out, and he's not available. He's not in the arena. Like, who's going to step up? And we like, well, is it going to be D'Lo? Is it going to be Rudy? Like, D'Lo said it last night, it's Ant. This is Ant's team. Rudy can still have a big, you know, a big play, a big part, and be really big defensively. But this is Ant's team. And again, like, since Carl goes out, Ant has what seventeen or seventeen steals. He's averaging like twenty-seven points. He's uh, he's not chucking from three, but he's getting to the line. He had ten free throw attempts last night. Uh, he had eleven like twice a week ago. So. This is all just maybe us in the eye of the hurricane of slowly seeing Anthony Edwards take that leap. And I think the D'Lo comments that you just said are, it made me think of like the Popeyes thing. Like, I know we kind of went back and forth on that, but learning how to be like a professional on and off the court, learning routines. Other people have said that too. He's still 21. He doesn't know exactly what to eat after games, right? It might be fast food and not a banana. Um, or, you know, not a protein <laughs> shake. Like he's still, I know you eat a sit- banana and a protein shake right after flagrant howls. Absolutely. That's why I'm so, on. that's why I'm so hyped. Yeah. So no, I, <laughs> I, tub, I, you know, <laughs> in, in the quotes that you said were right after the game when he, you know, it, it could have been, it's kind of like when Ant shouted out Wendell Moore, it's like, Ant, this should be all about you. You had a great game. And he's like, no, Wendell Moore was awesome. Last night. It's like D'Lo, you really saved their bacon in the fourth quarter, hitting some big shots. And he went right away to be like, nah, this is all praise to Ant. So, you like to see that stuff. Um, obviously, it's easier to lead and be happy and have all these right things when you're winning games. But last night, again, Ant was a big part of that. D'Lo stepped up. Rudy stepped up. And it was not a must win in December, but damn near when you have a five-game road trip coming up against teams that are all right in front of you. So yes, uh, I don't know if we're going to touch on this, but yeah, they're, they're 11th in the West, 12-12 and 12 disappointing, but they're two games out of the four seed. So oh, it sounds like you're getting to the, uh, the, the playoff. <laughs> Picture update on Flagrant House. Still in the lottery, but <laughs> only a couple games out of hosting a playoff series. That's where we're and at right only now. Only four games back of the number one overall seed in the Western Conference, which is currently occupied, I believe, by the Pelicans. Yeah, I don't have it in front a, of me. I think it's the Pelicans. A, what a wild. Yeah, I mean, like I said, two weeks ago when we did this, it was the Jazz, and now the Jazz are like ninth, and they are battling for a planned seed tomorrow night on in Utah. So, yeah, huge game from Rudy. Huge game from Ant. Still a lot of questions to answer. They I mean again, they, they they played a team last night that was on the seventh game of a seven game road trip. They basically had a layover in Minneapolis before they went back to Indiana, and they came out with no energy. It's like okay, the Wolves are up twenty. This is how they should have played, and they still had that second quarter where it's like oh, just kidding, we're going to give up forty four. So lots of things to fix, but some really good things. And again, this team, for weird stat, but they're like the best team in clutch time. 
Like they just, they know how to close games, even though I hate their offense. <laughs> it's a lot of isolation. It's not a lot of ball moving, but when the game is close, they find ways to win. So good. Yes. Uh, kudos to them. You know, I told Judd this on Mackie and Judd earlier today. I think the real MVP of the 2022-23 Timberwolves season so far is Tom Crean. So yeah. he he shows up in Orlando on November 16th. Yep. And he's yep. got a lot of free time on his hands because he's just uh, basically collecting checks from Georgia to, to sit <laughs> out right now. And he showed up in Orlando to talk to Anthony Edwards, who he coached for his freshman year at Georgia, and they're, they're still very close. And that was coming off a stretch where Ant was looking and playing joylessly. Yep. He only had 10 points on the road against Cleveland. The Wolves did win that game against Cleveland a couple days before, but they're on this road trip, and he just looked like his dabber was down, and he's not playing with the same player. And they sat down during shoot-around, or I can't remember if it was shoot-around early. It must have been like during the pregame warm-ups, and they just sat down together in the arena in Orlando and talked about life and whatever, and Tom Crean then went on Bally Sports North with uh, with Katie and was pretty open saying, yeah, I'm, I still feel like I'm, a, he's got great assistant coaches here, but I still feel like I'm his coach. And if I see some <laughs> things, I'm going to tell him. And uh, that night, Ant goes on to drop 35 points, eight rebounds, six assists. They, they, they beat Orlando by 18 points in that game. Uh, he knocked down seven of 13 threes. And, it, you know, just watching the game, it was one of his most dominant, joyful games of the season. So since then, Ant has played 10 games since the Tom Crean sit-down. He's averaging 26.5 points, 6 rebounds, 4.5 assists, 3 steals, a block, and he's shooting 47% from the field. And there's His six worst, and, ga- his worst game was like the four. first half against Washington, yeah, and the Wolves are 6-4 and four over that stretch. So in that just 10-game sample... That's all that's all star stuff, right? Like those are all star numbers backed up by, you know, a 60 percent winning percentage or whatever, you know, again, very small sample size. We're going to say that till March, but the Tom Green effect is real. Uh, And again, Ant has said it himself. He's a people pleaser. You know, he wants everyone to be happy and stuff. And when there was multiple cooks in the kitchen, when Carl was healthy, like maybe he just didn't know when to grab the baton. But when Carl went down. He has to grab the baton because Rudy, this isn't Rudy's team. It will never be Rudy's team. And it's probably not Delo's team long-term, even though, again, the young guys really look up to him. So he's just kind of taken the ball and run with it. No pun intended. Uh, and again, last night, yeah, <laughs> which, yeah, I mean, no, the Nas Reed traveling, uh, he, uh, he was great last night. So him and then, you know, the Delo stuff too, when you look at like these different sample sizes, I, I tweeted this out, but Delo's first 13 games, he was like 13 points, five assists, 37% shooting. His last 11, he's 18 points, seven and a half assists, and 50% shooting. That's what we talked about on Monday. Like, hey, maybe just making more shots. Maybe that's it. Maybe just making more shots. That's the way that they win more games. So, yeah, good. good. The, the, the backcourt for Minnesota has really stepped up in Carl's absence, and they're going to need it because now they're going to go play teams like Portland or Dallas or Utah that have, you know, really, really a- aggressive backcourts themselves. And you're going to have to not only be able to keep up with their scoring, but you're going to have to be able to defend them at a level that's respectable. So good stuff last night. Do you think another guy that's sort of broken out here out of his slump is Jalen Noel. So sometimes it's tough to decipher. There's, there's some garbage time in here. Uh, Like the, I'm not going to count the 23 points in the Washington game, in which everybody was terrible, (laughs) but, but since cat went down, you know, Jalen Noel, 24 points, 21, 14, He's been active in 
even as like a playmaker, he's never going to be a guy that thinks about getting everyone else going first and foremost, but he's been a guy that can get other, other players going too, because he can pass a little bit. Um, He's knocking down some threes as well. So we might be seeing the Jalen Noel that we thought we were going to get at the beginning of the season. might've just taken him like a month and a half to sort of figure out. And and sometimes it does take, you know, cat takes up a lot of space, right? Cat, right. Like literally and figuratively, figuratively. Yeah. I'm talking more figuratively, um, but so, and that's why I think this can be a good thing. I, I, I I'm not saying that like oh they need they need to become this 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 team that's all glued together and then Cat's just going to be the outside. Like I, I want them to become a semi finished product without Cat and then find a way to layer Cat in as opposed to it. It kind of felt like the rhetoric starting with Tim Connolly six months ago was we can turn him into a super force. We can turn him into a Jokic, and he can be. There's so many things we can unlock with Cat's game to get him to be this, like, you know, shooting star of a player that is even a level up from what it's been. I just don't think that's going to happen with him. I think, I think if you had to pick one of two paths with Cat when he comes back for the next few years, he can take the Jokic path where he's all of a sudden like MVP, doing literally everything. And he is the centerpiece on a team that is like going to the Western Conference Finals or, or at least like in the mix winning playoff series. Or his career will settle down a different path, which is he's going to be more like Kevin Love on a really good team or Andrew Wiggins on a really good team. And that maybe his numbers even take a dip, but falling in as like the third guy on a, on a really good team is going to be great for his career and better for the franchise. Gun to the head, if I had to pick one of those paths, I would pick the Kevin Love, Andrew Wiggins path. Um, I think he's physically capable of being Jokic, but I just don't know. Like, I think that would have manifested more at this point. So long rambling point longer. Can they figure out a new identity in the next month and have him be an enhancing piece to the puzzle? Will his ego allow that? Will the makeup of the team allow that? I don't know. We'll probably find out in February. Basically, it's kind of a... (laughs) No, I like this one. Basically, can you make Carl Anthony Towns just a modern day better version of Kyle Anderson? Right? Because we've seen Carl's defense is a little underrated, maybe. Um, his playmaking is very underrated. Like he was damn near leading the team in assists, right? But he can stretch the floor much, much, much better than Kyle Anderson. Um, and Kyle Anderson's kind of their their starting power forward now when Carl is out. So I like I like that. It's this was all it seemed like it was all thrown together. I mean, the trade for Rudy happened on the 4th of July or whatever, but, you know, it was all kind of hastily put together with a condensed preseason and not having those guys around and then Carl's illness and stuff to, yeah, that's why, again, God forbid you never want a guy to get hurt, but mm-hmm. the blessing in disguise is to take the guy out that I, and I don't think you disagree with this. Like, I still think Carl has the best ability to like fit in. In terms of his skill set, because I just said, like, he can, he can play make, he can shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe if you just pull him out for a, a month, month and a half and say, okay, let Jalen figure out what his role is. Get more comfortable. Let Nas figure out what his role is. Let all these other guys figure out their role so they're more comfortable moving forward. They know their purpose. You know, like, last year the Wolves had this dinner in Edina or something where it was like, everyone say your role. And Pat Bev led the charge. Right? And like, what is your role? What are you supposed to do? Well, they didn't really have that this year. So now these guys are going to figure out their roles on the fly. And when Carl, you know, returns to the lineup in 2023, he can just kind of, you know, 
patch all the holes, right? Just fit in, like space the floor, go over there, shoot, make a couple plays, do this. But Rudy now knows he's the guy protecting the rim. Ant now knows he's the guy taking last second shots. Delo's running the offense. So I like that. I just, this yeah. team was September and October were such a blur. They never really got to figure anything out. And they're just trying to do all these different things. It's like, okay, maybe we should slow down, let other guys figure it out, especially the young guys. And then we'll just, like you said, put Carl in the souped up Kyle Anderson role or the Bogdan Bogdanovich role, like do that. And maybe this will work a lot better than trying to have, you know, Hakeem and Tim Duncan, or, you know, this, the next great twin towers, like that's probably not going to happen. Yeah. I, one thing I also liked about last night too, is it, it, and I don't know, maybe, maybe we can look into the metrics to see if my eyes are matching up with reality, but it felt like Dila was playing off the ball a little more often when Ant yeah, was on the court too. That, yeah. And that's like, he, when, when, when Gerson Rosas acquired him, was like, he's going to be our James Harden or whatever. Um, Dilo like never wants you to put him in the point guard box. He's, he's always like, I'm a combo guard or whatever, you know, and combo guards play off the ball more. So we've seen that before. Like, I think it was last year when Dilo would play in that second unit. He was lethal when Jordan McLaughlin was running the offense and Dilo could spot up or attack. He didn't always have to, you know, initiate things for other guys. He's a good playmaker. He really is. But him off the ball is really good. So if you can put the ball more in Jordan McLaughlin's hands, which is what we've been begging for, or maybe a little Jalen or obviously Ant, it gives this team a lot more options. But yeah, you you, you texted me about that last night and I went back and watched. I was like, yeah, he he is really lethal when he is off the ball. Yeah. But you and need the, him to be on the ball as well. And the conundrum is if like if you're going to run pick and roll – and you saw it late in the game last night, D'Lo is going to deliver a more accurate pass more often to yep. a role yeah. man in that spot. And last night it was like, I think it was the, I think they ran the pick and roll that, to set up the free throws that Gobert shot to basically ice the game. Yep. And he throws a little just like pocket bounce pass and Gobert and my wife and I, my wife, we played <laughs> basketball in high school. She's like, she sees it right. She's like, roll, roll, roll. And like, boom, like bounce pass. I don't know that Ant, on a regular basis is going to make the right crisp pass that D'Lo makes, which is why obviously you want D'Lo like running the point as often as possible. But there's something about Ant running the offense that's going to draw more defenders in. I mean, he's going to yeah. freight train his way to the rim, and all of a sudden now like it might be spin cycle mode, and if it comes back around, D'Lo might be one of your better spot-up open three-point shooters on the team too, so... I just that whole dynamic and how they can use those weapons off pick and roll and D'Lo playing off the ball, even when if he's out there with Jalen Noel, like that could work. D'Lo playing yep. off the ball once in a while, so or even just a lot of possibilities. He can play off the ball with Kyle Anderson, right? Like we've seen Kyle yeah. Anderson kind of run the show. So yeah, that's a good point. I, I Rudy Gobert iced the game with his two clutch free throws. That was all set up by a high pick and roll with D'Lo, where he gets doubled and he just trusts Rudy. You know, Rudy's always calling for the ball. He threw it to Rudy at like the free throw line and Rudy took one giant French step and he was at the rim and he got fouled. So uh, a big night for them. I, I thought you would maybe want to talk about the real advanced metric from last uh, night. Uh, I do, which is forget about what you saw in the box score and how like a 13 <laughs> point run by the Pacers. Luca Garza's presence in the state of Minnesota and in the, re in the arena is what inspired the Timberwolves. Who do you think owes who an apology? Do the Wolves owe you an apology for refusing to use him up until this point? Or do you owe the Wolves an apology for forcing them to play him in a game <laughs> in which he clearly was not ready to play an NBA basketball game last night? I, a little behind the scenes here, 
uh, I'm at Safeway last night grocery shopping with my wife. I was going to catch up on the game in the second half. And my phone starts vibrating like it has a virus. And I look down, there's just 14 text messages of people saying Luca Garza is checking in. And I thought I was being like trolled. But um, no, he he checks in last night. They're up 20. He quickly goes minus 11. Uh, he gets cooked on. W- Wendell pick- Moore was right next to him, by the way. Yeah. Going, going minus 13. Listen, listen, I said what I said on Monday. I stand by it. I was like, stop promoting propaganda for a guy you're not playing. I will say in my defense, Finch came out the next day and was like, I messed up not playing him against the Thunder, which was my point is like that game needed a big guy. The biggest guy for OKC was Pokashevsky. Why not give the Iowa kids some run? I didn't necessarily mean that they should put him in against every game, right? Um, Last night he comes in, gets cooked by Miles Turner, which again, in my defense, uh, don't know if you watched the fourth quarter, but Rudy Gobert got cooked by Miles Turner again for three straight threes as they were coming down the end of the game. But, uh, yeah, I more so than anything, I just wanted to see how he looked. It's not, it's, it's not, not always great. He's not going to be able to defend. Yeah, he's That's not going to be able looked. to defend. Um, but it's just, it was nice to again have a guy. Also, the Wolves social team, by the way, has definitely listened to this because since Monday they just keep posting photos of Luca Garza. So they I do. see you. Um, but no, he, 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 it's just nice to have him. And if you have the leading score in the G league and you're in a situation, again, not every context matters for the haters. Uh, last night was not an opportunity to play him. Like you could have just got away with Nas. You probably could have gotten away with Jalen at the five or Kyle Anderson at the five. But in that OKC game, when you could have used a little size, especially when Rudy was like literally ejected from the game, thought that was a good spot for Lucas. So I don't know how much he's going to play moving forward, but at least giving him a chance. Uh, I didn't think he was terrible last night. I mean, there are four of the guys in the court that got cooked during that stretch. But uh, yeah, we uh, I, I, we'll just shake hands and move on. But I'm glad we got to see him. Now you can post some photos of him if you want. But uh, I don't think we can trade Carl and build around Luca yet. Not quite to that point. It no. is amazing that Luca is leading the entire G League in scoring average. So there's got to be that has to translate to the NBA on some level, just his ability yeah. to score as a big man. But yeah, not, not there, there, there was this one of my least favorite aspects of Twitter is like screenshot Twitter. This always happens in football, right? Where they like take a view of the fields like, oh, he should have made that throw. But you have no idea the guy's right outside the frame. Yeah. And there was a video of Luke again. He was in a high pick and roll. He gets cooked. Uh, Miles Turner hits a three. And they're like, this is the Luca Garza experience. And it's like, dude, three straight trips down the floor in the fourth quarter from the four-minute mark. They ran the same pick and roll. And Rudy and Jaden got torched by that same place. So I need a little more sample size before I'm selling my Luca Garza jerseys. Uh, but last night was happy for him. But last night was, uh, yeah. Let's just keep Luca Garza and our new favorite Matt Ryan down in Iowa a little longer and let them marinate you know in fairness to you i used to when i was much more ingrained in minnesota twins media like 10 or 12 years ago <laughs> and i used to be a beat writer for 1500 espn and like covering the team you know and uh i used to do this all the time and it it was with like relief pictures their bullpen would be crappy and i would be like anthony <laughs> slamma was one of those guys like why don't they call up look at his numbers in the, the minor leagues you gotta call him up And I'll never apologize if your team is struggling and you have a young player that's killing it in the minor leagues or in the G League, I will never apologize for demanding that that player get a look. 
Yep. But then when they give that player a look and he looks like garbage, okay. That's all right. That's all we asked for. Just wanted to, just yeah, wanted to we, see. Can Anthony Slam and get somebody out in the major leagues? Could you know? Could Luke Hughes hit a hit a home run off of a left-handed pitcher? Could Luca Garza knock down a couple threes? And if the answer is no, okay, you gave it a shot. Yeah, you had, no, all, you had nothing to lose by running him out there last it's night. It's all I, all I wanted was Luca to get one of those NBA paychecks. He got in last night, got some minutes. Um, my <laughs> job here is done. Uh, we've got I th- we've gotten more minutes for Jalen Noel with this podcast. We've gotten Luca Garza freed. Um, I'm going to move on now, and now it's solely going to be about getting Josh Minot NBA minutes. Because oh, speaking of slammers, like that guy can dunk from the free throw line. So I uh, I have put all my energy now into Josh Minot. I would love for the Wolf social team to post lots of photos of him, and I would like for Chris Finch to give him a chance on this road trip uh, when they're going to need guys who can shoot and block and do weird things. He's like a gazelle out there. So I love it. Free Josh Minot. All right, it's time for us now to dive into the comment section. Phil and Kyle, read the comments. Sometimes this goes well, sometimes it doesn't. I'm just going to go through here on the Scorn Earth YouTube channel. And by the way, <laughs> if you haven't already, if you could click the subscribe button on the Scorn Earth YouTube channel and the like button, you can help us spread the word about uh, this Flagrant House podcast. And a shout-out to our friends, too, at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's like having a great front court rim protector, if you will, for your business. They've been around for over 100 years and they've been official partners of the Minnesota Timberwolves for a number of years as well. They're all about risk management, all sorts of tools and resources you can find at federatedinsurance.com or you can also find your marketing representative, Federated Insurance, where it's our business to protect yours. All right. Close your eyes here. There's a couple of doozies in the comment section. <laughs> let's uh, Let's start with this one here. From Godfrey Chamberlain, he says, these guys have not been right about anything, laugh out loud. <laughs> Literally everything they say turns out to be the opposite. Defend yourself. I, that's a really good. I don't, I don't know why my uh, my dad's posting comments on the Score North app, but uh, <laughs> no, that is, uh, I, I disagree with that. I believe that we have been pretty good about um pumping up tires on guys who should be playing also too, like uh, thank you for subscribing. Thank you for listening. Like leadership has been one of the biggest topics of the team. You and I were doing leadership power rankings the week after labor day. Like we've been pretty on this stuff, buddy. So uh, guy. Yeah. yeah, Also too, like Godfrey. uh, I mean, talk about selflessness. Like I was trying to get Luca Garza minutes. If you want to put me in there, maybe Phil and I can fix some of this stuff, but I can't I can't give effort. I can't dive for loose balls. I can't switch on, you know, pick and roll. So uh, we've been aggressive about the team's lack of energy when it's necessary. And when it's fun, we've had a lot of fun. So I don't know. I, I, I'm basically an only child. It's like I never think I'm wrong. So that's just an insight into my personal wow, life. I so. also am an only child. So you yeah, are so dealing with luck, two absolute is- <laughs> narcissistic, egotistical jackasses here hosting this show. So, well, let's – okay, and we've – We've, I don't say, I wouldn't say we've like thought about anything yet, but the things that we've been in lockstep on, we both largely agree that this was going to be an Anthony Edwards breakout season. Mm-hmm. He's definitely been better this year than he's been ever in his career, especially the last 10 games. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's wrong yet. I don't think he's had the leap that you would, I don't think you'd call it a huge leap yet, but he's, He's showing some signs of the leap here in the last mm-hmm. month. So that's not wrong yet. Okay. 
Jalen Noel as a possible sixth man of the year. Okay, that one's looking like look, look looks like the under is going to hit on that one for now. <laughs> but he is Good averaging odd, over though. 20 points per game in his last 2 weeks. So, and it's only December, okay? Hey, listen. I I'm my tweets are still up from the 4th of July weekend when I was like I'm headed to Cancun, I'm not going to have service. Whatever you do, don't trade for Rudy Gobert and if you do, just let me know cuz I'm going to buy pro- I'm just going to live in Mexico. So like I was on the fence a little bit about the deal. They kept Jaden. Um, but, you know, th- like, you know, remember Jason Pierre-Paul? Mm-hmm. He was a really good defensive end. Didn't he, like, blow his thumb off or something? Yeah, another another accident. incident on the 4th of July. 4th of July is a big weekend. He used to have 10 fingers. Uh, he blew off one of his fingers, and then he just kind of like, okay, I got nine fingers, eight and a half fingers. Like, I'm just going to – this is what this is what God has given me. This is my These are the cards I've been dealt. Like, I'm going to move forward. We got Rudy Gobert. You and I were like, okay, listen, we have some questions. We're just going to lean into this with our eight and a half fingers, and we're going to make the most out of this. So I think you and I have done a pretty good job. The team is 12 and 12. We've made the most out of this with the you know, the, the draft picks we still have left on our hand, and uh, we move forward. That's, That's also a terrible the, analogy, but I was no, just thinking I, about that. Anytime anyone can reference uh, you know, Jason Pierre-Paul blowing half of his hand off <laughs> in the prime of his career. And somehow tying that back into a Rudy Gobert take is is that's talent right there. That's high level podcasting talent. Uh, I, I would also note too that, however you think this is, and most people think this has been a disappointment. At, you know, twelve and twelve mm-hmm. is not the record that I think anyone would have signed up for. But it's also about as bad as things could have gone so far. Like cat hurt early. Mm-hmm. Um, the team having a hard time with energy and effort and chemistry and leadership. And if you would have said, boy, this team's going to be kind of a disaster when it comes to chemistry right away and cat's going to get hurt. What do you think their record could be? If those things happen say, Ooh, well, I guess if, if they could even just be 500 coming out of their first 25% of the game. So, you know, I'm not, it's not like a huge Homer drinking wolves Kool-Aid, but if this feels train wrecky and it's still only they're 12 and 12, it's not like they're, they're not like, Eight and sixteen or something here. That's the number, right? Like I'd argue that Timberwolves again. This let's be we're being honest. So to please that man, like this has been a disappointment and this has been underwhelming. But again, you are a quarter of the way through the marathon. Now it, you could still be disappointed seventy five percent of the way through, and we'll talk about that in February and March. But I just think Timberwolves teams of old, like. I don't know, man, they lost Carl in that Wizards game. They think he tore his Achilles, and then they come out and beat the Grizzlies. Like, the Wolves of old, if you've been following this franchise long enough, like, yeah, you you said it, like, 8-16. and 16. That's what this team probably should be. But they found ways to scrap and get some of these wins. Would it be great if they were 14-10? and 10? Yeah, they'd be fourth in the West. Um, but they, I think that's a really good point. Like, this has been gone about as not ideal as – it could have barring some massive injury to like an ant and you know, to still be like head above water with a chance to really make a run here is about as good as you could hope for. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Kyle and Phil diving back into the comment section here from miles paw. Things are going to get a lot worse. Tim Connolly needs to be fired. Oh, here we go. Would you consider, <laughs> <laughs> would you consider making the move on Tim Connolly? Oh boy. <laughs> Uh, I, I know the, the Tim Connolly did a, a nice little, I will say this about Tim Connolly. I, I, I've had mixed feelings on him. He did. 
he came into this situation. He gets like a stake of ownership, whatever. He gets all this money. Uh, I was excited about it. Um, but he doesn't, he didn't really know the fan base or understand the fan base, right? Like mentally, I'm not, I'm not in a space right now in my life where I can just have to think every day of my life about the fact that they have five first round picks they're giving up down the road because every loss stings a little more, but he did an, uh, an interview with the athletic this week, our, our friend, John Krasinski. And I thought he was pretty honest. He was like, yeah, this has been underwhelming, but if you're going to blame someone, blame me. Um, like he's like, Finch is a really good coach. He's, you know, he's trying to do new things on the fly that we got good players. So I do like the honesty from him. Um, I think the, the book is clearly still out on him. He's been here for five months and he made one of the biggest trades in NBA history. So I'm not ready to like pack his things up yet. I think he might do might still be living in a hotel for all I know. Um, but I don't think you can fire someone who you paid $40 million to over five years. Um, I don't think Glenn's ready to swallow that payment yet. So I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on like Tim Connolly? I mean, didn't you, you guys talk to him a little bit I, on Mackie and Judd early in this summer, yeah, didn't you? I'm not going to pretend to be best friends with him. Some people say we do look a little bit alike, which is sort of weird. Like I've, you could, maybe I've you like could a bearded version of Connolly. Well, <laughs> if you would have asked me, hey, would you would you be willing to pull the trigger on all of your first round picks for Rudy Gobert? I'm not sure if I would have done that in the first like 15 minutes of taking the job. That's the biggest thing. I don't. The jury is is still out, and it's just to be clear, like it's laughable to suggest. A guy that just signed like a an eight million dollar a year contract. They he ain't going anywhere. He'll he'll be given a chance if this is a mistake. He'll be given a chance to make the next trade to help fix the mistake. Yep. And if that trade goes sideways, then maybe they would consider something. Before Tim Conley goes anywhere, he has one more blockbuster trade in him. That's not like a that's not like a soon thing. But before he is thrown out he'll have one big chance to remedy a situation if it's gone as sour as some people think it could agreed I think it was shocking to me that he didn't let things play out more I mm-hmm. I, I, I really legitimately thought that they would just kind of run it back with a very similar cast and hope for Anthony Edwards leap Jalen Noel more playing time leap maybe Carl Anthony Towns another year in the system with Finch etc and then Tons of flexibility in the summer of 2023 with the D'Lo contract coming off the books. You know, that's the that's the path I thought he was going to take. And he would have had every right to take that path with zero pushback from fans. And instead, he decides, nope, we're going to just do this here, this huge controversial trade, which I still am very curious to see play out. I I, mm-hmm. I am a Rudy Gobert stan. And so... <laughs> right. I need to see more of this, um, but to to just kind of come in and risk your entire reputation on a trade like this was it was shocking to me. I will say that it's, it was it's ballsy for sure. Because again, I mean, Tom Thibodeau did it when he came in, right? He was like, "Okay, I'm coming in, I'm coming with in the a kitchen. known commodity, though, right?" He knew Jimmy Butler, and he knew he had a vision for Jimmy Butler, right? But 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 that he took that full year before he makes the Jimmy deal, and kind of like right. he just kind of sees like, okay, what, what ingredients do we have in the kitchen? What can I kind of cook with and what can I? And then he made, you know, his big trade or whatever. Um, It was ballsy for Tim to do what he did that early on. Um, And, uh, you know, again, the jury's just going to be out because you made a deal that extends through 2028, 2029. Like you're going to be talking about this trade for the next five, six, seven years. Um, So I don't think, and this is just, I mean, this is where I have, I'm never going to tell a fan how to fan because you're supposed to get really high and really low. 
but you're just not firing a dude who you spent that much money on and you made let make that big of a decision five, six months into this. I mean, Tim Connolly's job is about as safe, even if you don't like what he's done. Um, but again, too, like that's that's always my big what if is if they would have just run it back, right? Bring everyone back from game six of the Grizzlies series. Uh, I miss Malik. I miss Vando. That team could be eight and 16. Like that team really could be eight and 16. And for all the stuff we've talked about Jalen and stuff, I mean, Jalen's lowest minutes since his rookie year was last year when he was buried behind Malik Beasley, buried behind Patrick Beverly. So he took a chance. We've really liked what we've seen from Rudy kind of as just the one alone center. You still have Carl on the team and he signed for many more years. Like you still have, you might not have your picks, but you can go get someone else's picks mm-hmm. and you still have Anthony Edwards. Um, and by all accounts, both kind of publicly, I know there's a funny video, but privately too, like he, Tim Connolly, you might not like his transactions, but he is a good dude and a people person and the players love him. And he, he's really good about like, how's your daughter, you know, or how's your, how's your family type of stuff. So that's part of the president of basketball operations role. Um, yeah. And Tim Connolly's not going anywhere for a while, even though I know two weeks ago, people were ready to, you know, maybe start packing for him. Aging Healer in the YouTube comment section here says, I can't wait till Phil turns on Rudy Gobert. Gobert <laughs> is one of the most overrated NBA players in NBA history given his contract, and yet Phil gets on his knees for him for nothing and will bleep on Cat in a split second. And then three people like that comment, which is very hurtful, okay? Very I hurtful. I, I hope I wasn't one of them. No, you know, I, I, we're just going to – we've kind of set some trends on this pod, so I want to start calling this uh, this stat a Mackie. But last night, Rudy had like seven Mackies, which are – he doesn't – I don't know if he got all the rebounds, but he didn't block the shot. But he he really does alter dudes coming to the rim. It's, yes. It really is crazy. Again, I always say to like young people that want to get into this or cover teams, like go rewatch games when Twitter's not, you know, going off, like go watch it the next morning, go kind of catch things you missed. And last night in that third and fourth quarter, especially when they're battling back, he just has such an impact around the rim. I also just am going to say this without like no reporting or anything. I think he's healthier. I really do think he came from Eurobasket and wasn't that healthy. Like, you know, in Vegas, I saw him with these wraps around his knees and stuff. He looks a little springier. He looks a little more mobile. He looks, he's jumping higher. Um, So the Rudy Gobert experience we said it at the top or, you know, beginning of this podcast when we started it, like they overpaid for the house. There's no argument there. Like they, the overpay is a real thing. No one's going to argue it. Tim Connolly might tell you over a beer, like, yeah, we overpaid, but I've liked everything Rudy's done. He's been a professional for the most part. Yeah. He had that interaction with the fans, but I think it's led to even more electric target center. Like I had friends last night at the game. They're like, that was one of the best environments in the fourth quarter that I remember since the play-in game. So I love Rudy. I've really enjoyed his presence here so far. You're a Rudy guy. You said it yourself. Um, yes. Yeah, we all, we look forward to you turning on Rudy next too. Well, here's my. Uh, all right, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna spar with an warm it up, warm it up, anonymous comment guy here. All right. So when people say that Rudy is overrated, I have a hard time with that because I actually think he's underrated as mm-hmm. a player. But then the contract comes in and maybe it balances out the underratedness. Right. If you want to talk about, okay, should he be taking up that big of a percentage of a team's cap, a guy that you can't really like run a play for offensively, all right, I will listen to that argument. But the reason I think he's underrated as a player, if you take the money away for a second, is that 
let's call it the Mackie, the stat. <laughs> he is doing things, and, and, and hell, Finch said this after the game last night. He said a lot of the things that he does, you don't really see. He goes, I think last night was the type of night where you saw everything. It was like you saw 21 rebounds, and you saw the block at the end of the game. But if you, I just, I, I, I urge listeners and viewers, when you watch the next few Wolves games, just watch him. Watch him for like a quarter. Mm-hmm. And he's not, there's definitely times where he's getting blown by. And I'm not saying he's this perfect, flawless player, but watch how many times he blows up a possession or alters a shot and it doesn't count in the box score. Okay. Like actually count how many times it happens and then compare how many other players have that type of an impact. And I'll give you another example. Okay. A few years ago, for instance, the 2016 Utah Jazz. This was like Rudy's fourth year in the league, I want to say. So he is he's now becoming like a guy who's playing. He's a starter. He's playing a bunch of minutes. The 2016-17 Jazz finished with 51 wins, okay? Their lineup was Rudy Gobert, Gordon Hayward, decent player. It's like mm-hmm. pre-injury Gordon Hayward. Mm-hmm. George Hill, Rodney Hood, Joe Ingles, Derek Favors, Shelvin Mack and old Joe Johnson. And by the way, 34 year old Boris Dia was on that team as well. Okay. Why did that team win 51 games? Is it because of Rodney hood? <laughs> is it because of, and Joe Ingles is, is he can shoot threes, but yeah. like, why is that team winning 51 games? Did Gordon Hayward just strap a bunch of backups to his back and walk up the mountain? no, and then all these other teams that won 48, 50 games, you know, second round of the playoffs, whatever it is. Yes, Donovan Mitchell came along, and he's a very good player. You need more than one good player to win 51 games, 48 games, you know, go 50 and 32. But some of these teams, again, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, okay, uh, Jay Crowder bounces around to a new team every three years, good role player, but Ricky Rubio, Joe Ingles again. 37-year-old Kyle Korver as a rotation player. That team's winning 52 games, not just because of Donovan Mitchell, because Rudy Gobert is great at what he does. He's got flaws. He can't shoot threes. You can't run an offensive play through him, but I just I urge people to watch. And does this mean I'm not going to turn on him? I might turn on him at some point. <laughs> no, no, no. You no, might no. piss me off at some point. We'll see. Listen, man, we're all again, we're only childs. Like we might we don't <laughs> nothing we do has to make sense a week from now. But but to your point, like if Malik Beasley goes seven for ten from three one night against a Western conference team, that's not Rudy's fault. Right? It's not it's not Rudy's fault that he I mean, I don't know, man. I would pretty much commit felonies if you gave me Rudy Rudy's contracts. Like it's not his fault that he got the money. He didn't have a say in how many picks were sent. Like, that's the Tim Connolly thing where he's like, if you want to blame anyone, if this doesn't work, blame me. Well, we will. But for Rudy, it's like he's come in and I, again, some kind of internal stuff. Like, he's been a really good teammate. Uh, he did have that little stretch where it was like, hey, throw me the ball and post up. But I don't know. Maybe some of that's on Finch. Like, Finch was the guy that's like, oh, there's so much untapped offensive potential for Rudy. Man, I don't know. Maybe there's not. Like, maybe he should just stick to dunking the ball yeah. and getting, you know, tippins. Um, but he's been in this last couple of weeks, like, and especially since Carl went down, this is what it will look like. Sands a bunch of draft picks, a ton of draft picks. If you move Carl, this is kind of what it will look like. And having more space, being the guy, and knowing that he can be, I mean, you know, and having 17 steals in three games, some of that is because he knows, well, if I don't get this, like, 
I got this free safety at the rim who's going to protect my back. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the envisioned part of this is like, and can be more aggressive on the perimeter because you don't want this all the time. I know, but he can be a little more aggressive because he's always got Rudy back there to protect the rim and get the rebounds. So the I, also too, like there's just guys in NBA Twitter that are just never going to get respected. It's just kind of a thing. And Rudy Gobert is just one of them. That whole COVID microphone thing. And just some of the ways, I mean, big guys don't always get love like guards do, but to say that Rudy Gobert is over overrated to me is just kind of laughable. And uh, again, We'll be tracking Mackey's moving forward, but we will. Yeah, his uh, his the the Mackey's he has in a game are things that really again he go watch the game again. He was awesome last night to close the game on both ends, and it was one of the rare times we've seen him just get straight switched on the perimeter, and instead of shuffling and trying to get all these other like it's just no Rudy just guard him, just take Buddy healed out and Buddy tried to go to the rim. And I had jazz fans in my mentions were like, people don't understand how good Rudy is guarding the perimeter and still being able to get back to protect the rim. So great, great night for him. Again, kind of in the welcome to Minnesota moment. Yes. All right. That's the comment section uh, for this episode. We will yeah. we will keep keep doing that every single week. I do Maybe love even that. I do love that. So thanks to the comments, even the ones that are just like, hey, you guys are trash. Like, yeah, probably, but. Yeah, we know. Okay. We're like Eminem and Eight Mile. We have all we know all the things you have to say about us. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we listen, you Teflon. think you're the first one telling me I'm not good at this? We, buddy. Uh, uh yes, five game road trip coming up. They're coming out yep. here. The, I'm hosting Dane Moore for the weekend, a little slumber party action, but two big games against the Blazers and then the Jazz, obviously. That's gonna be a big, big storyline. Um, but they're back to five hundred. They've done this five hundred times through twenty four games, it feels like. Um, but again, the, the world is their oyster. What can they do with it? We'll, we'll tune in and find out. And you know what? They're tied with the Warriors in the standings. So there are like other teams. Champion are, Warriors. Yeah. Good yeah, call. There are other teams that are also sort of snoozing through the first couple months here. Not that we should use that to validate the Wolves snoozing, but uh, thanks for hanging out with us here. Uh, usually Mondays and Thursdays, new episodes drop on yep. the Scornoth YouTube channel, the Flagrant House podcast feed, and the Mackie and Judd podcast feed he's kyle i'm phil and this is your favorite timberwolves lifestyle podcast see you guys